right, good morning, everybody. Want to welcome you once again to our Sunday morning digital cathedral here in Houston, Texas. Nice to have you with me. I appreciate you taking time to watch this, and I trust that it's going to it's going to challenge you and stretch you a little bit this morning. <clears throat> I'm starting a little three-part series today that I'm called Defining Your Why. Defining Your Why. Kind of the why of existence. Why are you here? And I want to talk a little bit about the digital cathedral and the why of the cathedral and our, our little brother Wednesday Night Live, but I want to bring it down to where you live. So just stick with me because I'm going to bring this into, into your life, but it's going to take me a couple of minutes to get to where I want to go with this. Fair enough? So we're going to take a couple of weeks and talk about uh, you. We're going to talk about the purpose and the vision direction of the digital cathedral and <clears throat> what I call the little brother, which is the Wednesday night uh, live. If you're not watching Wednesday night live, I do that every, every Wednesday night, 8 o'clock central time on my Facebook page. And basically what we do on Wednesdays, we break Sunday down a little bit further, come at it from some, some different angles and uh, allow comments and questions, and it's kind of a back and forth, so it, it works out really well. <clears throat> In case you haven't noticed it, the landscape of Christianity has changed a lot over the last few years. If, um, it, it's, it's just a different world. Today we're not thinking locally, we're thinking globally. In fact, Jesus said in... Uh, Acts chapter 1, let me, let me read this for you. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus gave us a, a global perspective. And like I said, I'm going to bring this into your life in just a minute. But I'm going to, I'm going to start with, with the church and then bring it into you, okay? So Acts chapter 1, and I, I want us to begin to think bigger than local, bigger than your local city, bigger than my local city. Let's begin to think a little bit globally. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 7, Jesus said, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall, be, uh, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you shall be witnesses. Now watch, watch how he begins at home, but he broads it out. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the world. Unto the ends of the world. The world, and that's that's kind of where we're at today. If you would have, if you would have told me, just a few short years ago, that I would be uh, doing church not from um, not from a building, but I would be connecting to people from all over the world, without ever leaving Houston, Texas, I would have thought you're crazy. And yet, that's exactly what's going on now. You and I are connecting with one another. You're connecting with other people at the Digital Cathedral. You're connecting with other people on Wednesday night from other states and, and in some cases from other nations. So you and I have moved the sphere of influence that we had at one time from being just a local area, a small town. Maybe you live in a small town and that's, that's everybody you knew lived in that little town. Basically, I pastored in Houston, Texas for years, and most everybody that I knew and taught lived in Houston, Texas. So if you would have said, look, going to be a, there's going to be a day, you're never going to leave Houston, but you're going to have an influence, you're going to teach people all over the world, I would have thought, how could that ever be? I've had, I've had prophecies over me earlier in my life that I would be going to the nations. I thought, I, I'm not real big on, you know, going to India or going to China. Little did I know that people in India and China would watch us through the internet. We never, we, you know, we, we had no idea there'd ever be such a thing as the internet. So we've been doing this since last July. Last July, I left 
the building and we began to do everything that we're doing on the internet, which was my vision, still is my vision. So I want those of you that watch, those of you that participate on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, I want you to feel the vision that I feel if you haven't already. I, I know that a lot of you have because you've, you've messaged me, we talk back and forth. I want you to feel a part of what God is doing as he reaches globally with the message that he's given us to reach out with. So we've been doing this for almost a year. And it's almost daily that I feel like, man, we've got a hold of something that's a lot bigger than we are. You know, we, we've got a hold of something that's not local, it's not just Houston, Texas, but it's global. So I want you to feel a part of that. We've, you and I have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Before time, God knew that we would be living in 2019, and I don't know what year you're watching this, maybe it'd be 2020, 2021. God knew you'd be living during that time. And he destined you, he wired you, he fixed you so that you would be one that is able to communicate this message globally. Now, I'm going to use the term church loosely in just a few minutes. When I talk about the church, I'm not talking about an organization. I'm going to get into just a little bit of what the why of the church, and then that's going to come into the why of you. So we're going to spend three weeks talking about defining your why. All right? So when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about an organization. I'm talking about a gathering of people on whatever platform, uh, wherever in the world, that gather together like we're gathered together right now. And the only thing that we're really seeking is, is truth. Now, traditionally, we've done that through the church. <clears throat> and I Googled churches this week, churches in America, and I was astounded to find, listen to this, there are 300,000 Protestant churches in the United States. And what shocked me even further is in my city, Houston, Texas, there are 3,000 churches. So we have about 1%. Actually, it's a little bit more. It depends on the source. Some, some had 312, some 380, but it's, it's in that 300,000 range of churches in the United States. And if you go to their website or you go to the yellow pages, and I, and I looked around in Houston, Texas, and I think that's probably reflective of the United States. If you looked in, at the yellow pages or went to the website of the churches, all of them tell you, listen, they tell you what they do, which is have church. Everybody does church pretty much the same. All 300,000 churches sing, they pray, they hear a message. Uh, most of the time they quote some Bible verses. That's what a church does. That's what a church does. Now, how a church does what it does varies. Some churches do church a lot different. So the how is different. The what is pretty much the same. The how can vary. Some rely on a liturgy or a form of worship that is the same every week. Uh, some baptize people every week. Some speak in tongues. Some feel that speaking in tongues is of the devil. Uh, some sing for an hour, dance in church, and have praise and worship for an endless amount of time. Uh, others, they don't do church like that. That's not how they do church. They sing two songs, first and last verse, with the choruses. So when you, when you look at the yellow pages or you go through websites, you can see uh, what they do. And there's a lot of tips or phrases about how they do church. The what and the, the how are easily recognized. And just like in your life, what you do and how you do it 
is pretty easily recognized. You know, we all have different jobs. We all have different things that we do. What you do, how you do it is pretty easy to recognize. But the big question is not the what and the how. The big question is the why. Why does that particular group exist? You know, you don't see that in the yellow pages. When I say the why, I don't mean to do what we traditionally did to get people saved or uh, to add numbers to the church or to try to increase the church budget. Those are the results of the how. That's not the why. What I mean by the why is what's the purpose? All right, well, I'm starting with the church. I'm going to bring this into your life. What's the purpose? What is your purpose? What's the cause? What's the reason that that particular group exists? Why do those people come together? Uh, wh why, why do they get out of bed on Sunday morning? Uh, why should anyone care? Why not just find some church or gathering that's close to you and just do that to fulfill what you maybe think is your religious uh, obligation or service? Or why not just turn on television to whoever happens to be on there? Very few groups, very few churches, very few people can articulate why they do what they do. I think we could all answer the question, what we do. I think we could all answer the question, how we do it. But I'm going I'm to hit this for, for about three weeks because I, I want to I get down to the why so that you can clearly articulate the why. So I'm going to take a couple of weeks and talk about the why of our existence. I don't want, I don't want this this video, I don't want this teaching, I don't want this gathering of people on Sunday morning or whenever you happen to be watching this or on Wednesday night when we come together from all over the nation. I, 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 don't, I don't want that just to be uh, something we do to take up time. I, I want it to be valuable. I, I, I want to talk about the why of our purpose. What's, what's the reason of, we're, of our being? Why, 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 do we, why do we take this amount of time? Why do I come over and prepare teachings? And why do you and I gather together and you interact and you, you message me and ask questions and we go back and forth together? What, what is the why? Paul clearly defined his why. Jesus defined his why. Let me walk you through a couple of scriptures and show you the why of Paul and the why of Jesus. Now, when we get into the why, we're starting to get down into, into the reason of your existence, right? When you talk about the what and the how, you're talking about some externals that are observable. But when we get into the why, we're talking about the inner motivation. What makes you tick? What makes you be the person that you are? And, and it gets pretty personal. Well, now with Paul, his why, his why ended up getting him beheaded. The why of Jesus got him crucified. Now, what, what Paul did and how he did it, you can read, you can see. But there are times that Paul revealed his inner heart, his motivation. Jesus revealed his heart, his motivation as to why he did what he did. We know what he did. We know how he did it. The question is, why did he do it? All right, so let me just walk you through a couple of scriptures so you can kind of get a drift on what we're talking about when we're talking about the why. Go with me to Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to hit Paul first. Galatians chapter 1. Let's look at a, a couple of verses that have to do with Paul's why. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. Paul said, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, to reveal his son in me. Now that's, that was the what and the how of what God was doing. To reveal his son in me. Now here's, here's the why. Here's why Paul existed. 
that I might preach among the Gentiles this, this revelation that Paul had. He revealed the Son in Paul, and the why of Paul's existence, he said, was to preach him among the Gentiles. Now come over to Ephesians chapter 3. Paul gives us a little, a little more insight as to his why. In Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to read verse 7 and 8. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 7. Paul said, I became a minister according to the gift of grace that God gave me by the effective working of his power. So there's a, there's a what and a how. Verse 8, he says, to me who am less than the least of the saints, this grace was given. Now here's the why. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So what's Paul saying here? He's saying that the what and the how of God was to, was to select him, was to place within him a grace gift that would effectively work in power. And there was a why for that. So that Paul could preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So what was it that really drove Paul? It was this inner motivation that he had to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ among the Gentiles. All right, one more verse. Romans chapter 16 and verse 25. And I'm going to keep taking this down different layers and levels as we go. I, I just want you to get the drift that if you don't have a why, if there's not something within you that motivates and drives you that's bigger than just what I do and how I do it, there has to be a purpose to it that's fulfilling to you. And with Paul and Jesus, there was something within, within them that God placed that, made, that gave them purpose. If, you, if all you have is a what and a how, you're going to burn out. You're, you're going you're to become very bored. There, what, what, what motivates us is the why. Now, Paul said in Romans chapter 16, let me read just one more, one more with Paul. Chapter 16 and verse 25. He said, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel... I love it when Paul called it his gospel. Boy, that's being, that's being bold. So he, he, had a, he had a why. He had a why of his gospel. And the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, kept secret since the world began. So there's a, there's a, there's a what and a how in that verse. The, the what and the how was the revelation, the mystery that had been kept uh, since the world began that Paul was established in so that he could then develop his gospel. And his gospel was, was the word of God that came to Paul that became him that he could now take and share with someone else. All right, now Jesus also had a, had a why. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Acts chapter 10. I guess what I'm really I'm going here <clears throat> is that you need to know what your why is. And when your why and my why and the other people's whys that are here in the, in the digital cathedral this morning, when they all connect from all over the world, all of a sudden we have a vision. We have a purpose that now is bigger than us, that surpasses the what we do and how we do it. I mean, what we do is come on the Internet every Sunday morning, Wednesday night. And how we do it is I come over and I do a teaching and how we do it is Wednesday night, we uh, break it down further. And how we do it is you interact and you make comments. But it's got to be bigger than that, guys. It's got to be more compelling than that. If that's all we're doing, then it's not going to be long before we fizzle out. So when God begins to give us a vision of the world, when God begins to give us a vision, 
that moves out past Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and it goes into the uttermost parts of the world, and you see that you're touching the uttermost parts of the world, all of a sudden now something begins to rise up on the inside of you that makes you want to, to carry this gospel past the how and the what. There's a motivation that begins to arise. Now watch what, what it says in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. That's what he, that's, that's what he did. He anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power. Why? Why? He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So the, 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 the why of Jesus was to go about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. All right, let's look at another one. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. 1 John chapter 3, and uh, we'll just read one verse from 1 John. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. Here's what it says. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. It says, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. All right, now watch. For this purpose, this purpose, this why, for this why the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So what was Jesus' purpose? What was the why? Well, John said it was to destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus had, had something going beyond what he did. How did he do that? Well, there are times he laid hands on the blind. There were, there were times that he delivered the oppressed. There were times he cast out demons. That's how he did it. That's what he did. But the thing that drove him was the purpose he was manifest for, which was to totally destroy. That's, that's what moved Jesus. All right, one more verse. Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. Jesus said this. He said, for the Son of Man has come not only to seek, but to also save that which is lost. So Jesus said, I've got a purpose. I've got a reason. I've got a motivation. I've come to not only seek the lost, but to also save the lost. So here's, here's what I'm getting down to. It's the why that inspires. It's the why that attracts like spirits. It's the why of your life. It's the, whatever your why is. And I think that we have spiritually a lot the same why is why we've come together around around the message we've come together around the internet we have we connect with the why if if all you're doing is just watch to watch then you're not going to watch long but when you're when your why and my why and your why and a person in uh, California and a person in Florida and a person in England when our whys connect then that becomes very inspirational the church for the most part and remember, I'm using church loosely. I'm just talking about a gathering of people on whatever platform that are seeking truth. The church, for the most part, has lost their why of purpose and existence. And so what happens when you have no why, then you have to compete with people on the how. And that's where the church is. Who does church the best? How do we do church? Well, we won't... We want to make sure we have the best children's program or the best coffee or the most dramatic presentation. Churches compete through the how. The how is, how is what churches use to draw people. 
Sometimes it's what a business uses to draw people, is the how. I'm telling you, that's not the most effective way. The draw should be the why. <clears throat> when your why and the why of the church connects, then what is, what, what's the closest place to go or the prettiest or the coolest or the most hip? It doesn't, it doesn't matter because the why connects us into something that is much deeper. So I want to take a couple of weeks and talk to you about why the digital cathedral exists, why the Wednesday Night Live exists, why I do what I do. And I'm hoping that my why connects with your why in life. And when I go through the, the four basic principles or the four basic reasons, our four basic purposes, I, I hope they connect with you. And as they do, then we're going to feel a kindred spirit that, yeah, we're into this. This isn't just something I flip over and then I go over and look at this one and I go look at that one. We, I, you can look at all, you, all the various ones you want, but there comes a place, there has to be a place where you say, this is where my vision lies. This, I'm in tune with what they're doing. <clears throat> so why do, why do we exist? You know what we do at the Digital Cathedral? You know how we do it, but let me tell you why we do it, why I do what I do. First thing, first thing, first why for me and why we exist, first of all, is to awaken people that are asleep to the truth. That's the first why. And this, that's the big one. This kind of over, this is kind of the, the dome why. And we've awakened a lot of people. Every week people awaken. Uh, that's the why. That's, that's the major why. And I'm, I'm going to give you three others uh, I'm just going to hit this one this morning because I want you to see for sure that what drives us, what compels us, what motivates us is to awaken people that are spiritually asleep. Awaken people to who they've always been but didn't know it. Awaken people to what they've always possessed but didn't understand it. That was pretty one of the whys of Paul. Ephesians chapter 1. Let me read a couple of verses out of, out of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, let me pick it up with verse 17. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. All right, that's waking, that's waking up. Paul's saying, I'm asking God to give you a spirit that will wake you up. A spirit of revelation. And he says that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Why? Why? So that you would know the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to you who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God in heavenly places. So Paul, Paul is saying, guys, what I want, I want to happen in your life is that the eyes of your understanding would come open. And that's why I'm here. What I see, I want you to see. The more my eyes are open, the more I want to dispense to you. And I hope your why then becomes in your culture and your sphere of influence to open the eyes of other people as well. So why do we come together? It's so that we can share, that we can communicate, that we can talk, that we can, that we can help one another to get that spirit of revelation that we can see what we've never seen before. There's, there's a world of difference. 
between teaching doctrine or pounding a belief system into stone and awakening people that sleep. I, I don't have an interest. I, you know, you're bound to do some theology when you teach the Bible. You're bound to do some theology and you're bound to do some beliefs, all right? But that's not the real, real why. The why is to awaken people that are asleep. You, you can know doctrine. You can have a strong uh, systematic theology and still be sleeping. Many are. A person that's sleeping, he's not aware of what's going on around him. He's not, he's not aware of what's taking place. And there are many that are sleeping today. Many of your friends are sleeping. Many of your family members are sleeping. They have a belief system. They have a theology. Uh, they've, they've got their ticket punched, they think, for heaven to avoid hell. That's all of life. That's what the whole ball game is to them. But the why that drives you something deeper than that. Maybe you, maybe you just stumbled into this video today. Maybe you just saw it on the internet or somebody shared it. And so you're just, you're just, you just stumbled into where we're at today. Let me, let me tell you, you didn't just stumble in. It was a divine appointment. It was a setup. Because our why, our reason to be here, to awaken people that are sleeping, especially Christians. I have a real heart to awaken sleeping Christians that have become bored. And the only thing... Uh, left they have is to argue and to defend their theology. That's, that's now their life is to defend how right they are and how wrong everybody else is. What's going on with you, what's going on with me, is that we are awakening to the Christ within, who's placed a hand on us, who's placed a hand on you, and is empowering us to embark on the most exciting grace venture that he planned since before time began. That's why I said earlier, you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You're embarking on a journey. And the why of your life now is to go and travel that road, but also to take and awaken every person that you come in contact with as he gives you the ability to do it. You know what I want you to do today? I, I want you at the end of this, this teaching, I want you to turn this off and I want you to be ruined. I, I want to awaken you to the degree that you're ruined to ever go back to that valley of dry bones. I want you to be ruined to, to, to keep hearing about a God of unconditional love that your belief system has placed all kinds of conditions on. I want, to, I want you to get the spirit of revelation of, of what the Father's all about. I want you to get the spirit of revelation of the finished work of the cross to such a degree that you can never go back to the mess that you came out of. You'll never go back to the bondage. You'll never go back to the fear. You'll never go back to, <clears throat> to hearing the same thing week after week after week. The, the powerful thing about awakening is this. It's a progressive awakening. You continually see more. There's no way to get bored. no way to get the message dry because it's an ongoing progressive message. That's why I exist. If that's why you exist, then you know what? God's joined us together from wherever you live. And the world that we live in today, we don't have to be in the same city to be connected. We don't have to be in the same country. We're connected by spirit. We can see through the internet. We can, we can, we can have the same vision, the same purpose, the same driving force. It's an expanding world, guys. We're not thinking locally anymore. We're thinking globally. I want you to awaken to a powerful Jesus that said it is finished to such a level that he came not only to seek, but to save the lost, to fulfill his why. 
I want you to, when you're done with this video, I want you to never be happy again with a pint-sized, hemmed-in Jesus that came to seek the lost but doesn't have the ability to save the lost that he came to seek. All he can do is give a feeble invitation and hope that when he pulls the net in, there'll be a few fish in it. First, first Corinthians chapter 15, this, this Jesus that we serve is bigger than that Jesus that maybe you've had hemmed in. But when, you're, but when the why begins to come into your life, it all expands. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22. This is not a little bitty Jesus. It says, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive, but each one in his own order. And that is a, that is a key right there. Verse 23, the first part, 1 Corinthians 15, 23a says, but each in his own order. Verse 22 says that everybody that died in Adam is made alive in Christ. But now watch, here's where the awakening comes in. Here's where our why comes in. Here's where the why of your life comes in. <clears throat> your purpose, your destiny, your vision. Every person comes in their own order. Do you know people you contact with, their number's up? Just by the way you live. You don't, you don't have to give them tracts. You don't have to take them down the Romans road. You don't have to spiritually harass them or beat them. You just live the life of grace and love that God placed within you. You just be you. Don't try to be somebody else. But God's going to put people in your path whose number, has, whose number has popped up. Each one in his own order. Now why you and I came in at the time we did, I don't know. But there's other people that are, are ready and willing, who God says, okay, I'm calling you now, and he's going to put you in their path. So the, 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 the number one why of your life, <clears throat> if you're with me, has got to be to awaken those that are sleeping. Whether, whether they're a believer or a pre-believer, doesn't matter. You can awaken a pre-believer to, to Jesus. You can awaken him uh, to the fact that he was placed in Christ before the foundation of the world. You can open his eyes to this. You can open his eyes to the good news. If you're dealing with believers that have a, you know, kind of a basic understanding of the gospel, then they need to understand what they've always possessed but didn't know it. They need to understand who they've always been but didn't realize it. That's an awakening. That's, that brings freedom. That's the truth that sets people free. Awakening. First John uh, Gospel of John chapter 1 verse 9 says that Jesus is the light <clears throat> that lights every man that comes into the world. Every person that you talk to has a Jesus light in them. The fourth verse of that same chapter is verse 4 or verse 5. I can't remember which one it was. says that, that the, 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 the light of Jesus is, the light of Jesus is his life. The life is his light. So when he places his light in every man, what he's done is placed his life in every person. So what you're doing is you're flipping the light switch. You're awakening them. You're, you're, you're flipping the switch and the darkness is leaving. The person has been pre-wired. The light bulb is screwed in. It's just waiting for you to flip the switch. How do you flip the switch? By having a driving purpose of awakening people that sleep and that becomes a conscious part of your life. Whether they're a believer or pre-believer. It's, it, it, it's a message, that's a message that is so different. What sets the table for an awakening, what flips the light switch for a Christian or a pre-believer is to see the mystery revealed, to remove the veil. There's a veil over the eyes of people. Paul said in, in Colossians chapter 1, 
Verse 25, 6, and 7, he recognized that veil that was over the eyes of people. Paul said this. He said, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Now that's, that's, the, that's the why, man. That's why Paul existed. He said, I, I, I've got this, this ministry that was given uh, to me for you to fulfill the word of God. What, what was the word of God that Paul was to fulfill? He said, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Revealed. We're awakened to it. Uh, the light has been turned on. Watch verse, verse 27. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the, of, of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, Gentiles. Christ in you, pre-believer. Christ in you, the one who hasn't yet recognized it. Christ in you, the one that uh, now lives in, in Jesus because all died in Adam, but now all are made alive in Christ. Do, do, you, do you understand? When you awaken to somebody, you're saying to the Gentile, Christ is in you. And Paul said, this is, this is, this is the mystery that was hidden, but is now made manifest. So when you get it, when your eyes open, you can all of a sudden now begin to tell other people that Christ is in them. That's good news. Now that is a message that is so contrary. It's opposite of what we heard for generations. But it's a message taught by Paul and it was revealed to him by Jesus himself to take to the Gentiles. I mean, it's totally imbalanced from what we've always heard. It's, it's lopsided. It's weighted. It's, it's an unrelenting proclamation of what God has done for us. And we're awakening now to it. There's a global awakening. It's what he has done for you. It's not what you must do for him. All right, I'm just going to show you in a couple of verses. As you awaken, look, there is so much, there's so much scripture motivation about your why. I, I, I want you to be motivated by what God has done for us, not what we must do for God. That's the awakening. When I say that our number one reason of why we exist is to awaken those that are asleep, we're awakening them to everything the Father has done apart from Minus what we've done. Because we've done nothing. And I'm going to give you a couple of verses that illustrate that so well. Colossians chapter 1. You know, I, I hope you follow with me in your Bible. You write the scriptures down and go back and look at them later. Because every week I, I, I really weigh the preponderance of evidence. Not only logic and reason. I try to give you some Bible because I know that makes it legal for you, right? You've got to have a Bible verse. So look at this. Just a couple of verses. I want you to see God's enormous part. And I want you to see, you played no part. That's the awakening. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. He said, you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. So what did you do to be reconciled? Nothing. You, you were alienated and an enemy in your mind by wicked works, so he came along and reconciled you. You had nothing to do with it. Verse 22. He reconciled you in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy watch and blameless and above reproach in his sight. You, did you get that? In his sight, you are, watch, verse 22, you are holy, blameless, and without reproach. Now, you, we need to awaken to that because the way that religion taught us is that we're not we're not any of those things. We're, we're, not, uh, we're not holy, we're not blameless, and we're not above reproach. In fact, we're just poor old worms that hope we can make it to the end. That's what, 
We taught, that's what we were taught. But when, you, when people awaken, when you see this, and this is our purpose, this is why we exist, is to wake, awaken them to see. All right, now watch this, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Paul, Paul lays this out so many times and in so many different ways that I don't know how we can miss it. I don't know how I missed it for so many years. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrated his own love toward us. All right, so it was his love coming down a one-way street. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what did you have to do with his death? Nothing. Much more, much more beyond that. Then having now been justified by his blood, you're justified by his blood, not by your confession, not by your faith, not by your action, and not by your works. We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. You were an enemy when he reconciled you. You thought you were an enemy. You, weren't an en you were not an enemy to God. You thought God was your enemy. So God just swoops in and reconciles you in that condition. And he did it through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we are saved by his life. And I don't have time this morning, but I was going to take you over to Ephesians chapter 1 and walk you through verses 3 through 11. There's eight or nine verses right there that just lay out as we just read in Romans and read in Colossians that God did everything. Now, what do we do? What's our, what's our why? It's to awaken people to what the Father has done for us, not what we've been drilled on for so many years about what we must do for Him. We must be obedient. We must uh, uh, have faith. We must believe. We must confess. Uh, all the things that we thought we had to do to make ourselves right before Him, He comes along and says, I've got all that handled. I have made you righteous above reproach. I've made you acceptable in my sight. This is the way I see you. I, he said, it doesn't matter how you see you or how others see you. What matters is how I see you. And that's what we awaken people to. See, the whole emphasis changes. We're, when we awaken now, we're starting to see us from his view. We're starting to see us from his perspective. That's what we awaken to. And we close our eyes now to how we see us or how we see other people. We see other people now the way he does. Didn't Paul say, no, no man after the flesh. You see them as God sees them. So as the gospel, as this good news, as this good news, and man, I've laid out some good news of what he's done. Minus any bad news. As our eyes begin to open to that and it becomes light to us, <clears throat> we begin to see how good God is and what he's done for us apart from or separate from our, our vote, our agreement, our decision. What God has done for you will change your mind about him and it will secure you in his love. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. We can't make this grace and love we awaken others to too big. You can't make it too big. You can't make it uh, too good. You can't make it too expansive. We're still waking up. I'm still waking up. I've been teaching this message now 15, 16 years. And honestly, I'm still waking up. One of my biggest aha moments in life, one of my biggest aha moments was to awaken, listen, was to awaken to the unlimited awakening. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm never, I'm never gonna be, I'm never gonna be so awake that there isn't more awakening. There isn't more I can see. There isn't more I can integrate into my life. Now I begin to understand what he said in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, 6, and 7. 
If you haven't underlined these verses in your Bible, man, these are big time verses. You need to underline these. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. He says, when we were dead in trespasses, when you were in that situation. All right. Now, here's what we want to awaken people to. He made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you've been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All right, now here's the aha moment. Here's the aha moments of aha moments that happened in my life when I awakened to the fact that the awakening is unlimited. Got it? Verse 7, he says, So that in the ages to come, ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So what's he saying? He's saying you're never going to get to the end of the exploration of his grace and his goodness. That takes it all out of our hands and puts it into his hands. It removes the cap. It removes the limit of what we can awaken to. See, we, when you come to the digital cathedral, I want you to be captivated by a God that has no limits. Man, if that resonates in your spirit, then you and I are connected. If that kind of thing resonates in your heart, then you and I are connected. I don't care where you live, what city, what state. We're we're walking this thing out together to awaken other people to that same reality. To give him to others. You know what we got to realize? We got to realize that we were created as one with him to be co-creators with no limits. We haven't even got to that part of the level of the grace yet where we can walk as a co-creator. Man, I tell you, wow, that's something you can wake up to. We exist to live a life of no limits and to let that life awaken and let that life draw others to what we possess. Amen? There's enough of it to go around, guys. It's not, it's not shortchanged. I find tremendous exhilaration in getting lost in this why of awakening people. There hasn't been anything else in my life that has, that has lit my fire, cranked my engine, like looking into the eyes of somebody and see the light comes on. They get it. They get it. They, they have just awakened for the first time to the gospel. To the good news without a threat of bad news. There's no gun of intimidation held to their head. Look, they're, they're, they're all... What, what really wore me out as a pastor was the house. You know, there was always more house, more programs, more staff, more expanding budget, all those hows. When, when what you do and how you do it dominates the why, you know what? You get bored and you burn out and your zeal will, will subside. And that's, that's the beauty of what we're doing here. The beauty of the digital cathedral is that we can all concentrate on our why. Nobody is haranguing you to be part of six home groups, four prayer meetings, be part of a prayer chain. All of those hows, look, all of those hows, we don't have to get involved with. Those things pull the energy out of you. What we can concentrate on is developing our why. And our first why of existence is to awaken people that sleep. Especially believers, man. There are, there are millions of believers that are still asleep. So number one, why is to awaken others to who they've always been, what they've always had, but had no clue. That's, that's a satisfying thing. 
When people awaken and they see the good news and they understand the truth, do you know what? We've got to be able to articulate it to them. That's why we're here together. That's why I teach on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, so that we can keep going over it and expanding it until finally you can articulate it. Some of you, maybe you're at a place today when you understand it, but you can't talk it. I was there for a couple of years. <clears throat> when I began to see this truth, <clears throat> excuse me, I began to see this truth. I knew it. I couldn't articulate. I couldn't talk it. I couldn't, I couldn't tell anybody about it. But when you can begin to articulate it, you can awaken multitudes and it's inevitable that the people around you are going to begin to see it. So let's take, let's let people know and let's embrace ourselves. what a masterpiece of God we are and that God has called us for a big why. I, I close with it. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. It says, for you are God's workmanship. You have been created in Christ Jesus. Wow, you were never outside of Christ. See, that's an awakening aha moment right there. You're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, the awakening of people that he foreordained for you. Your destiny is preordained. Good works that will ring the bell, crank your engine, light your fire. Guys, we got a great message. Let's take it and run with it. Let's awaken the world to how good the Savior really is. Amen? All right, I'm going to hit number two next week. We'll talk about a little bit Wednesday night. If you haven't been with me on Wednesdays, come on over and let's, uh, let's gather again on Wednesday night, 8 o'clock on my Facebook page. See you next week at the Digital Cathedral. God bless you. Have a powerful good week and understand that you are called to awaken the multitudes. We'll see you next time.